sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. As we welcome you back to Sports Grid here on Fantasy Sports Today, I am Craig Mish along with Joe Pizapia. And Joe, I think that the headline of the day certainly was the Buccaneers and Saints. I think a lot of people would have loved to see Tom Brady uh, have a big game. Uh, he did not. It's going to take a little bit, I think, to get on the same page with his receivers, and it really showed yesterday. Yeah, definitely will. It started out pretty well. You had that vintage Tom Brady rushing touchdown there where it just falls in between the tackles and things were kind of fired up then. It was downhill, but we'll get to it a little bit later. Like every Tom Brady season for the last 10 years, if you don't have a clean pocket, it's going to be a tough day for Tom Brady. All right, we'll take a quick time out on fantasy sports today. We'll have our fantasy standouts in football coming up next. So make sure you stay on the grid. We're back in just two minutes right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid. I am Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. We got you covered every day from noon to 2 Eastern. It is a look-back Monday here on the show, and throughout the fantasy football season, Joe and I will take you through virtually every single box score of what happened in the games, and from both a wagering and fantasy perspective, break them down for you in terms of what happened, who were the winners, who were the losers, and certainly there's going to be a fair share of that happening every single week. And so, Joe, I thought uh, best to start off with the winners, and then as we go through the box scores, we can go through some of the losers in fantasy as well. So... Um, let, let's get it started with quarterbacks, and there was uh, no really stranger with some of these names that were really at the top, uh, players that you more or less expected to have big years. All the QB1s more or less performed, and we start off by looking at them, and uh, the quarterbacks will start off with, uh, Joe, with Russell Wilson at quarterback, who had a very big game yesterday for Seattle. He goes into Atlanta and clearly takes care of business there. He certainly did. He did that and then some. We've been talking about Russell Wilson as an MVP candidate this year. He hasn't gotten a single vote yet. You could feel that narrative starting to build, and this is a great way for Russell Wilson to start off. Four touchdowns in this game, a 300-yard game on the road. Yes, it's against the Atlanta defense. Yes, that secondary is not very good, but still, he looked terrific in this game. You saw Chris Carson look healthy. That is huge for the Seattle Seahawks this year, getting off to the right foot with Carson healthy. And, of course, DK Metcalf, who we have hyped a ton of this show, had a very good game as well. Matt Ryan, 450 yards passing and two touchdowns, mostly garbage time, but still good to see there. Josh Allen from Buffalo, the quarterback against the Jets, got off to a really good start. Jets came back there a little bit, uh, but Allen was able to push it away. 317 yards and then two touchdowns on the ground. He's a big factor on the ground, continues to be for the Buffalo Bills. Aaron Rodgers went up against Minnesota's defense, and that will definitely be one that we'll have to keep an eye on the rest of the season because Rodgers tore them apart, 364 yards and four touchdowns there. And we'll cap off with Lamar Jackson, Joe, 275 yards, three touchdowns, and 45 rush yards. Jackson picking up essentially where he left off during the regular season of last year. 
Yeah, Lamar's just playing in a different universe, man. That that guy is just so difficult to defend. And I, I think after the disappointing taste in his mouth at the end of the season, the playoffs, you would imagine he'd come out ready to go, and he did not disappoint. He also didn't disappoint in the postgame attire, too. My dude was looking fly after that, man. I don't know if you saw that. Woo, he had the chains and the whole shirt and the whole thing. Looked real good, man. Looked even better on the field. Gave the fits to the uh, Cleveland Browns defense. And the thing to take away from the Aaron Rodgers game, too, you know, without Daniel Hunter uh, out there, that pass rush was not the same rogers had a lot of time in the pocket and he just picked them apart and that's what he did in that game it was great to see alan lazard catch a touchdown it was great to see mvs get involved and of course Devontae adams had an absolutely monstrous game this is what we were talking about all offseason where you know aaron Rodgers last year kind of was let's be honest the low-end qb1 didn't have a lot of games like this now if this is going to be a trend or is this going to be a one-off we'll find out but at least in the early going, it's good to see him spraying the ball around with more confidence because last year, that was certainly not the case. He did not have a lot of confidence in the secondary wide receivers. I'm fascinated to see if this is going to carry over. If so, Rodgers is going to be a huge fantasy bargain this year. If not, then this is a one-off, and we're going to go back to a lot more Aaron Jones running the football and your Devontae Adams and everybody else goes to sleep. So we'll see as the season goes on, as the month goes on. But so far, a great start for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. All right, at running back, the top stars of the day will start off with the one in Las Vegas. Actually, the game was in Carolina, but Josh Jacobs had 25 carries, 93 yards, and three touchdowns for the Las Vegas Raiders as uh, Carolina looks like they could have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Something to watch there, too. Christian McCaffrey, 23 carries, 96 yards, two touchdowns, three receptions, 38 yards. A lot of his volume, strangely enough, was in the second half and not the first uh, Adrian Peterson, out of nowhere, was the primary ball carrier for the Detroit Lions. Not Swift, not on Johnson. No, it was Adrian Peterson. 14 carries, 93 yards, also had three catches for 21 yards as well. We'll see if he can maintain that. Naheem Hines, who's probably drafted in most leagues, but if not, he'll be the number one pickup off the waiver wire this week, no doubt. Seven carries, 28 yards for him and a touchdown. Also had eight receptions, 45 yards and a touchdown. Why will he be the number one pickup? Well, Marlon Mack is out for the season. Uh, and then last night, Ezekiel Elliott, 22 carries, 96 yards, a touchdown, three receptions, 31 yards and a touchdown. But as you can see, no 100-yard rushers on this list at all, Joe. Teams are going with not just two, but three running backs, and the days of having an RB1 seem to be slipping away pretty quickly. When when have we ever gotten out of a first week of an NFL season we can't even find a 100-yard rusher? Yeah, and, and look, maybe that's partially because of the continuity and everyone just kind of shaking off the dust and people not wanting to push guys too hard in week one without preseason. That could be a bit of it, but you're right. This is a trend we've been seeing, which is why I think it was so imperative in your fantasy drafts to get those bell cow guys when they are available and then pivot to the wide receiver position or tight end or quarterback afterwards. And if you did that, chances are you have guys like Ziggiel Elliott. You have guys like Kamara. You at least got some scoring going on there, but you're absolutely right. It's definitely a trend. I'm sure you'll feel much better about you were second guessing yourself about not taking Clyde Edwards Alaire. I imagine after Sunday night, you feel much better about that scenario. And when you look at your right now, he certainly is going to be a guy very popular on the waiver wire this week. We had talked at length this week about uh, Naheem Hines and Philip, and we're going to see this new Philip Rivers who's throwing the ball to the wide receivers, or the old Philip Rivers throwing the ball to the tight end, and the running back. So far, it looks like that, and it might be even more of it now too with that Mac injury. Uh, Jacobs was absolutely tremendous, fantastic. We talked about him on Sunday. And, of course, last but not least, AP. Oh, my goodness. If you listen carefully, you can hear all the shares of Carrion Johnson hitting the waiver wire right now. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not sure about that. I mean, Swift did not look that great. Um, I would not, I would not cut Carry On Johnson uh, at all. Um, let's go to wide receivers here for a minute. Uh, Devonte Adams had the big game, 14 receptions and 156 yards. He was huge for them, no question about that. Uh, Marquise Brown, five for 101. Julio Jones, nine for 157. Calvin Ridley, nine for 114 and two touchdowns. DK Metcalf, four for 95 and a touchdown. Robbie Anderson had all of his yards on one catch, but still added up six for 115 and a touchdown. Adam Thielen, six for 110 and two touchdowns. As we mentioned earlier, DeAndre Hopkins had, who you don't see here on this list, had uh, you know arguably one of the biggest days of them all with 14 catches, a lot of them late in the game uh, for there. So, uh, look, I mean, if, if running backs are not going to be the thing, Joe, it's going to be receivers. No slowdown for these guys at all. Monster games across the board. No, Hopkins was brilliant, as were the Arizona Cardinals. We talked a lot about them also on Friday's show. There's a real opportunity not only to cover, but maybe win that game, and they did. And more importantly, too, it's great to see Marquise Brown get off to a good start. Same thing happened last year. Let's see if it carries over. He can stay healthy. If so, being able to stretch the field and throw the ball downfield, man, that is going to be tough. Andrews was so good already, caught two touchdowns, including an incredible catch in the end zone there from Lamar Jackson. If they can stretch that field, I don't know how anybody stops Baltimore. That's going to be really tough this year on anybody. And uh, we talked also quite a bit this year in the offseason about guys who can make that next jump from wide receiver two to one, from three to two. So far, two of those big targets. We talked about DK Metcalf already. He seems to have made that jump already week one. That's good. Let's hope that's a good trend. And then Calvin Ridley, my dude, all the shares. So happy to see him get off to a great start. Not every week's going to be this good, but it was certainly great to see and was a fun offensive football game from a fantasy perspective. No doubt about that. Uh, Julio Jones, there was enough to go around for both of those guys as well. And uh, Devontae Adams, I mean, what more can be said about that guy? He is just... So good, so consistent, and uh, that's why he's a first-round pick. Yeah, and uh, we didn't really focus all that much on tight ends because not a ton of huge games from them, but the one, Joe, that really stuck out to me yesterday, especially probably on a lot of benches, was Dallas Goddard of Philadelphia. It yeah. seems like they are right back where they were a year ago, too. Potentially, I mean, Jalen Rieger started off really good yesterday, had a 55-yard reception, and then was silent the rest of the way. Uh, the Raiders, same deal. Ruggs had a big catch early. He got hurt. He was silent the rest of the way, too. Then Waller picked it up. So did Goddard. And um, look, it was a little bit of a, a quiet tight end day, to say the least. It was, but the other thing to keep in mind, too, is if they're going to keep using Goddard as they did 20% of his snaps he took in the slot yesterday, if that trend continues, he's going to be an interesting hybrid. And let me tell you, that's going to be a guy you can start as a tight end if you have him on your bench or if he's on the waiver wire, because all of a sudden now that might be just what they're going to have to do. So keep an eye on that. Goddard did a very good game. And if he's going to be playing a little bit more slot wide receiver, that could be a big boost to his value. All right, coming up next, we'll start diving into the individual games and tell you who did what in case you missed it yesterday and potentially who you can count on the rest of the way. Antoine Staley is going to join us next. He covered the game in person yesterday between the Las Vegas Raiders and Carolina Panthers. Then we'll get to the Buccaneers and Saints and the rest of the slate. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Great stuff there from Antoine Staley breaking down the Las Vegas Raiders and the Carolina Panthers. But the Raiders making their debut as Las Vegas 
not the only debut. Let's talk about Tom Brady making his debut. It's been 20 years as a Patriot, and now he is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And as we look to the game, things did not go exactly how we thought they might go against the New Orleans Saints, or maybe they did. One thing is for sure, Craig, when we're talking about the Saints, we're talking about a team that has great continuity. We're talking about a team that has a great roster. And they kind of showed that in this game, I thought. And that, to me, was the big difference. It was that continuity. It was that uh, trust factor that wasn't quite there yet, even though Tom Brady started off with a good drive. This really kind of was downhill for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after that. They had some good moments, but a lot of pressure on Tom Brady. That's never a good recipe for success with him historically. But you look at the Bucs here, 239 for Brady, two touchdowns, interceptions, and a rushing touchdown. Uh, Ronald Jones did get the majority. There's no doubt about that. 17 for him for 66 yards. Fournette was used very sparingly. We'll see if that changes in the next few weeks or if this is the trend. And Godwin led them in six receptions with 79 yards there for him. Mike Evans did have a touchdown, but he was too busy fighting with Marshawn Lattimore to do too much else. So, Craig, what was your takeaway from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what you saw week one? There was definitely some good, there was definitely some bad, and maybe a little bit of ugly, too, with that one pick six that Brady threw. Yeah, they'll they'll get healthy this week against Carolina, in in my estimation, based on the way that Carolina looked. But uh, you know, I, I not all that surprising because, again, very hard to just have a complete transition to a new team, and you're going into arguably one of the toughest places to play, uh, even without fans. So, um, you know, I, I think that the outcome was more or less, uh, you know, sort of what you would think, maybe a little bit of a closer game, and the spread would have indicated that. Uh, but look, you got you had to pay the Tom Brady tax there essentially if you were going to take uh, Tampa Bay so the Saints definitely were the right call no doubt about that um and yeah from the Bucks perspective nothing really all that surprising in terms of the stats because once Evans was not a full go I don't know how anybody could have expected anything in one league I sat him and played Rieger so it was more or less a wash but uh, Jones does look like the guy at least for now at running back and um you know, it's just one week, but clearly Fournette was a zero. So we'll just have to see if, if he plays even at all for them. I'm not sure. Uh, for the Saints, uh, Drew Brees was not fantastic either, but did enough to win 160 yards and two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara had a late touchdown, which saved his day, but it was very uneventful going into essentially the last minute of the game. 12 carries, uh, 16 yards. He had a touchdown there, and then the reception for a touchdown late gave him an additional one. So he ends up with a good fantasy day, but let's uh, let's you know call it what it was. It was scary there for about three quarters, and uh, and then Jared Cook five receptions for eighty yards, and and I suppose that he was the main target on this day for the Saints. But I think that that will change a little bit, and and I think Thomas will get a lot more involved in the game plan. Sanders was also good for them as well yesterday, but uh, I, I really don't like to get too caught up in anything that's happened in one week. So for me, it's just a matter of Saints are still the better team. Joe, I think the Bucks will have their day, and my guess is it'll come this week. Yeah, and I think you nailed it. The The Bucs will get healthy against that Carolina defense. I mean, if they give up 34 to the Raiders, <laughs> they're going to give up a lot more to Tom Brady probably in that offense potentially. And it was a very disappointing day for Michael Thomas. Owners, uh, me especially too, had a lot of Michael Thomas shares in DFS that did not work out well yesterday. Unfortunately, had some good things happen, but that was one of the worst because he was very expensive. And if that guy does not produce, it's going to basically crush your lineups. Uh, Alvin Kamara had a tough day at the office. Because let's be honest, that Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense against the run is very good. It was very good last year. They were number two in the league, and that's carried over as well. And, and I give the Saints a lot of credit. They got 
uh, to Tom Brady. They were able to make plays there. Uh, Jenkins had a huge tackle. Uh, he had another big moment there in this game as well. So it was a nice uh, kind of re-addition of Janoris Jenkins uh, over to this team. And uh, oh, Malcolm Jenkins, excuse me, to this team. And it's it's kind of funny to me because it would be very difficult in my mind to imagine a Tom Brady week one without any preseason games with very little OTAs and extra work that they could go in and beat a team like the Saints on the road there. I think that was asking a lot. But I think you saw some good things. The other thing, too, from a fantasy perspective to take away also, which I don't know if this is going to be a trend, but O.J. Howard got a touchdown, not Rob Gronkowski. For all those people who wanted to make Rob Gronkowski a thing again, he didn't look all that great. He looked kind of like the guy I saw two years ago, which was the guy who was a little slow and seemed like the game editor kind of moved past him. So did you have any uh, analysis on Rob Gronkowski and what you saw in this game from him? Yeah, I think that Gronk will get his eventually, and and I don't know that this was a great matchup for him, but look, certainly to count on him being a starter early on in the season, probably not the wisest, but at some point he'll have a game this year where he'll catch three balls for 15 yards and two of them will be touchdowns in the back of the end zone. Uh, Again, can't get too carried away with the week of the season, at least for me. All right, we'll be back and talk about what the Packers did in week one as well. You're watching Fantasy Sports today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today, Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia. We're giving you the full rundown of everything that happened in the NFL and in fantasy football uh, from the first week of the season. Well, the Green Bay Packers went into Minnesota as a two-and-a-half-point underdog and certainly proved that the wrong team was favored in that game. There was no doubt about that. Uh, Joe, the Packers had as good as a game offensively as they've had in a couple of years. And I think, as we discussed earlier in the show, I'm not sure if this is the Packers being great or the Vikings' defense being awful, but certainly the Vikings' defense was awful. Uh, So hard to (laughs) kind of figure here. I think we're going to know in a week or two for sure. But Aaron Rodgers, 364 for four touchdowns. Aaron Jones had a solid game, 16 for 66 and a score on the ground. Adams was probably the best fantasy wide receiver in the land yesterday, 14 for 156 and two scores. Valdez Scantling came alive, four receptions, 96 yards and a touchdown. And Alan Lazard had four receptions for 63 yards and a score. Now, uh, Joe, going into the season, were the Vikings supposed to be this bad defensively? I thought they added in Dakwe, and, and, and I just didn't see this coming. I don't know if that's real. I don't know if the Packers are real. But certainly 43 points is, is uh, if I'm not mistaken, is the most points given up, right? By it, Or maybe Seattle had a little bit more. I'm not sure. But either way, yeah. Green Bay had the best, one of the best offensive performances of the day. They absolutely did. And to answer the earlier question, I think it's a little bit of both. I think the Packers had a really good game plan. I think they attacked them very well. And I think the Minnesota defense failed in a lot of uh, situations. Uh, And Gakwe is going to be a great player for them. He's a fantastic talent. They missed Hunter out on that field for sure. And once again, if you're not getting consistent pressure on Aaron Rodgers, making him look other spots and you give him enough time he is going to pick you apart that's why he's one of the greats to ever play the position and i just think it's very very encouraging to see him start to spread the ball around a little bit more because that was really lacking last year in the offense he would throw to a guy a guy wouldn't be in the right spot you'd see him lose confidence in him and he wouldn't even look his way the rest of the game 
if this can continue, then I think the Packers really might have a wide open spot there because I know we saw a lot of the Bears in Detroit. We kind of have a feeling for what they're going to be. We just had a feeling for what Minnesota's going to be. This could be a, a situation where perhaps the Green Bay Packers could run away with this division. It is only week one. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But the Packers certainly looked very good on offense. Uh, defense played well at times. Uh, it was, I would say, something to keep an eye on here with uh, Minnesota, see if they bounce back from this bad outing, because we know in-division games are always tough anyway. So they came in with a good game plan. They were able to execute that game plan. And I think spreading that ball around made them really difficult to defend. And whenever you have a weapon like Devontae Adams, he's a game changer. All right, let's look at the Vikings here. And the Vikings had Kirk Cousins throw for 259 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. The game plan changed, and so certainly once you're down big, it, you know that's not what the Vikings want to do. They want to run the ball. Uh, Cook had 12 carries for 50 yards and two touchdowns, and so certainly his fantasy numbers were there. But they were completely taken out of their game plan. Madison also had 50 yards rushing as well. Adam Thielen had six receptions, 110 yards, and two touchdowns. So certainly no slowdown at, as well for him. And Joe, he is, simply put, is probably the main target moving forward for Kirk Cousins uh, now with Diggs not there. So, I mean, Thielen, if he just continues to be who he is, in all likelihood, is going to put up wide receiver one fantasy numbers all season. He is, and this is one of the bigger surprises to me week one because I was I was a little concerned, to say the least, that he was going to have success now without a real established guy on the other side. And say what you want about Stefan Diggs, he was something you had to equate for. So I was worried about how Adam Thielen would deal with some double teams and some other things, but we saw in the first quarter there were some struggles there, and then they were able to run some pick plays and run some other things that really got Thielen open in space, and that was the key to unlocking him a little bit. And then they got into a groove. You're right, Dalvin Cook unfortunately didn't have the big yardage total, but the two touchdowns touchdowns. Hey, that'll do it. Uh, Dalvin Cook also had a big extension signed over the weekend. That's some big news to talk about as well. So the commitment is there. The commitment's going to be there to the run. Kirk Cousins is always going to be inconsistent. That's just who he is. It's who he was in Washington. It's who he's been in Minnesota. He can have a stretch where he looks as good as Russell Wilson statistically, and he did last year. And then he can have an opening to a season last year like he did where the first month of the season we were wondering if he was going to keep his job. That's Kirk Cousins. It's always been the case. So we'll see here. I think the Minnesota Vikings are going to have to go back to the drawing board. I think it's going to be a long week of practice for them. It's going to be a long week of looking at the defense and everyone looking around each other and say, okay, where did we fail? What do we do? And how can we fix it? I think there are a lot of things to fix for that Minnesota team. They will get back to running that football. They will try to dominate that way. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but I think it was definitely a tough one out there for the Minnesota Vikings to lose a game at home. And that is a home field advantage, that building, but without a crowd, not nearly as much. That's the other thing, too. Without that incredible noise in that building, and that is one of the noisiest buildings out there, it's a very level playing field by all accounts. And that is something, too, that I think Minnesota and some other teams kind of learned the hard way yesterday, that all of a sudden when the fans aren't there, it's not quite the same home field advantage. Yeah, maybe turf, maybe indoor, the thing. Things like that. But Minnesota Vikings have a lot of work to do. And I think the Green Bay Packers are definitely the favorites in this division. I thought that before coming into this week. And uh, it's another question to you. Team favorite? I think it was. And maybe we should bring that segment back. You and I used to do that on the radio. And when you said those words, I just remembered. That's right. Is the wrong team favorite? I miss doing that segment with you. Yeah, perhaps we'll bring that back this week for sure. No doubt. All right, let's uh, look at Seattle and Atlanta, and let's look at the Seahawks here as Russell Wilson threw for 322 yards and four touchdowns, who we discussed earlier in the show. Chris Carson only had 21 yards on the ground, but he did catch six balls for 45 yards and two touchdowns there. Both Metcalf and Lockett were extremely good. Metcalf had the touchdown, so of course that made him better. 
And then Greg Olson had four receptions for 24 yards and a touchdown. So maybe there is a tight end in Seattle to keep an eye on. And uh, Joe, let's quickly go over to uh, Atlanta here and then break the whole thing down. Uh, For the Falcons, a lot of their numbers were in garbage time, but what do we care? It's fantasy. So Matt Ryan threw for 450 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Todd Gurley, 14 rushes, 56 yards and a touchdown. And they did move in a lot of other running backs too. So we'll have to see that going forward. But no doubt, uh, you'll take that from Gurley if you drafted him for sure. Uh, Julio Jones, uh, nothing in the first half. Monster in the second half, nine receptions, 157. Calvin Ridley was a top three performer yesterday at wide receiver. Nine receptions, 130 yards, two touchdowns for him. And then Russell Gage had nine receptions at 114 yards. And that, that could be a little bit of pool's gold this week. I think people will rush to pick him up. Uh, I mean, listen, maybe Russell Gage ends up being a superstar in that offense. Uh, I don't think that Atlanta can run the ball at all. And I, and I think that these numbers are just going to continue to pile up over the course of the season. But the real attention, Joe, should be over on the Seattle side where Russell Wilson is, is virtually unstoppable against any defense that's even subpar. He's going to carve them up, and he's picked up right where he left off last year. He sure is, man. It was beautiful to watch. He's playing at such a high level. He was last year as well, and that picked up right where last year left off. And he's got some emerging weapons there, too. I mean, DK Metcalf, I think, is a real presence. He is going to be a threat to score. It's a big-bodied wide receiver. He creates matchup nightmares for people in the red zone, and and he's capable of the big play as well. Tyler Lockett's a guy that you can count on every week in PPR to have a very high floor, and the ceiling ain't too bad either. I don't know if uh, Greg Olson's something you can count on every week, but if you're looking around there for a low-end tight end in DFS who has touchdown upside, Depending on the matchup here with the Seahawks, you know the Seattle team is going to put up points on the board. Good to see healthy Chris Carson. I'll worry a little bit more next week about the volume there. Scoring touchdowns is what I want Chris Carson to do. I just wanted to see him healthy on the field, and he was. Now, shipping uh, gears over to Atlanta, too, and talking about them. I don't know if we know yet what the running game is because this game was obviously, you know, the score kind of dictated what the game plan was going to be there. And they had to be aggressive and throwing the football, which is what Atlanta does anyway, which is usually what the Atlanta defense does. It puts them in this terrible position where they always have to do this. So we'll see if they can run the football a little bit more effectively, if they even have that opportunity in a lot of games. However, you did get a vintage Todd Gurley game circa 2019 where He had about 50, 60 rushing yards and a touchdown, and guess what? That's an RB2. So whether you like it or not, he's still an RB2. And is he a safe RB2? Probably, because I don't see a lot of people challenging him for carries. But Atlanta's got to figure out something on defense, because otherwise, this is what their entire season is going to look like again. It's why they got off to such a bad start last year. It's why they were 2-6 and to begin things, because the defense couldn't stop anybody, couldn't tackle anybody, too many holes in the secondary, not aggressive enough up front. And this is what happens. You end up in these shootouts, and Matt Ryan and company is great for fantasy, but it's not so good for the running back side of things. That's not so good for the win total. So we'll see if Atlanta can get back to the drawing board, too, and be a little bit more balanced and maybe step up that defensive play in week two. All right, let's move on to the big upset of the weekend for sure, which was the Jaguars not just covering, but winning outright against the Indianapolis Colts and showing that a team that is tanking is once again never tanking you never know with the nfl and the jaguars proved that on sunday as gardner Minshew came out and threw for 173 yards and three touchdowns on the day james robinson his debut 62 yards rushing one reception 28 yards not bad from him keelan cole was the bigger star on the side of jacksonville as he had five receptions for 47 yards and a touchdown chenault the rookie had a touchdown as well three receptions 37 yards for him and chark had a quiet day although he did score a touchdown three 
for 25 there. Uh, on the side of the Colts, and, and this will be, you know, clearly the more disappointing point of view because when the Colts signed Phillip Rivers, they thought that they were getting the Phillip Rivers of 2014, not the one that looked like he did last year, and that's exactly who they got on Sunday as he threw for 363 yards, and he looked pretty good in the first half through two second-half interceptions and gave the game away. Uh, Marlon Mack got hurt very uh, early on in this one, and he is out for the year as being reported. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Uh, Taylor, the rookie, did not look great, but he did catch the ball well. Nine carries, 22 yards, six receptions, 67 yards. Hines and Taylor will probably be the guys moving forward. 27 rushing yards for Hines, eight receptions for 45 yards. They were trailing late. They just kept dumping the ball off to him. And then Paris Campbell, surprisingly, was a top receiver for the Colts yesterday. Six receptions, 71 yards. And so, Joe, this is a good lesson, I think, for everybody just to understand that in sports you never know. And the two teams that are projected to be the worst in the NFL in Jacksonville and Carolina, both could have won their games, and one of them did yesterday. It is the NFL. Strange things happen. And it wouldn't shock me to see Jacksonville win six games. You know, this is just sort of the, the way that the NFL works. On the flip side, the Colts are really uh, disappointing. And uh, I'm sure they'll be much better, and it is only one game, and they just got caught by surprise. They did look good in the first half of this one. But, you know, clearly, I, I don't know that Rivers could have looked any worse, honestly, in the second half. He, he threw the ball away, gave away the game, and, and Jacksonville took advantage. Yeah, two of the themes and cautionary tales Craig Mish has been telling you for the last couple months was, number one, he thought Phil Burrs was done. So far, you look pretty right about that. And the other thing was, just because a team looks like they're tanking, don't think they can't win a football game. And guess what? That came true also. So you could circle this. Clairvoyant Craig Mish just absolutely nailed this game. That absolutely basically encapsulates week, everything. Well, it is. But you know what? I, I think that he, here's the trap I fell into. I fell into the trap of the analysis of, look, I'm going to give Phillip Rivers the benefit of the doubt. The offensive line play was so bad for the Chargers last year. Let's get him on a good line. Let's get him with a good defense. The Colts still have both of those things. I do believe that. Even though they didn't play well yesterday, I still think they play really well on the offensive line. I mean, PFF grades will tell you that. I still think that defense is very good. It's got some excellent personnel. And you hate to have clarity on a running back situation via injury, but at least you have that too. Now, I don't know how that's going to impact them as they prepare for the next few weeks. I don't know if that's going to be a positive or a negative and a little bit more identity, but I know all those people who have Jonathan Taylor shares, they're you know very excited because there's probably going to be more opportunity for him. And all those people have been speculating on Naheem Hines and drafts late, all of a sudden got huge, huge validation here because there's a lot of people going to spend a lot of fab on him. I might be one of them in a few leagues because you're looking for guys who can catch the ball. And if he's going to be Danny Woodhead, Darren Sproles-esque, man, that's going to be a useful guy as a flex running back going forward in the rest of the season. And I'm sure that anybody who watched our shows for the last month is going to need to make a move because Marlon Mack ended up on almost every one of those teams that we had <laughs> looking at. So, all right, uh, we'll talk about Mack and the rest of the injuries in fantasy football coming up next. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. we got plenty to get to, so don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. It is Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia, the one unfortunate part of our show is we got to go over the injuries in fantasy football. And, Joe, um, 
would say that the most significant one, unfortunately, is is a player that uh, that I have on uh, on one of my teams. In fact, I, I had one team in fantasy this weekend with Marlon Mack, Galladay, and Evans. So you could only imagine how that went. Uh, not very good, although leading going into tonight, but that's not going to be the case. Uh, let's take a look at it real quick here. Uh, Mack is going to be out for the season, according to many reports, and so Hines and Taylor are the two guys there for sure. Devontae Parker of the Dolphins left the game yesterday. We'll see what his status is. George Kittle came back in the game for San Francisco late, although he wasn't a huge factor, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Blake Jarwin of the Cowboys looks like he's going to be out of a period of t- for a period of time. And a very strange day for Le'Veon Bell, who left the game, looked like he was hurt, and then was put back in the game and certainly uh, didn't have a great game for him as well. Also, Leighton Van Der Esch, the linebacker uh, for the Cowboys, arguably one of their best linebackers, is going to be out six to eight weeks. He had a broken collarbone. So uh, I'm sure that there are are going to be a lot of issues and injuries over the course of the season. And so this season is really no different, Joe. Uh, I think that for most people, they're hoping that Miles Sanders gets back on the field this week. They're hoping Kenny, Kenny Galladay gets back on the field this week, and I think we just have to follow that bouncing ball at this point because injuries are just a huge part of fantasy. And Mac, I think, is the real big one as we open up the show today. Oh, certainly. In terms of fantasy impact, absolutely, because of the ripple effect, because the ripple effect of Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines and all the other backs and the clarity now of that situation. Blake Jarlin's torn ACL, certainly difficult to uh, Dalton Schultz will be the next man up there. He played a little bit last night and actually looked pretty good in some moments. So we'll see if that target volume continues to filter to that tight end position, regardless of who's there. And my goodness, the Le'Veon Bell, Adam Gase, hamstring drama continues. I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> I didn't give them much have a chance against Buffalo in Buffalo this weekend, but it just seems to be a marriage made in hell between these two guys, and I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. Le'Veon Bell's got to be hoping he gets traded off the Jets, and I'll tell you what, fantasy owners, you have got to be very worried right now. All right, that'll do it for our first hour of the show. Coming up next, we'll do our headlines for hour two, as well as touch on the rest of the game from Sunday in the NFL. You're watching Fantasy Sports today right here on Sports Grid. It's a Fantasy Football Monday. We'll have more after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 